You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Esther Derby. She is the author of Seven Rules for Positive Productive Change: Micro Shifts to Macro Results. Esther draws on four decades of experience leading, observing, and living through organizational change. Esther started her career as a programmer and quickly realized that while her job description referred to computers, her real work involved changing the way people worked and supporting them through that process. Her approach blends attention to humans and deep knowledge of complex adaptive systems. Hi, Esther, and welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here with you. Same, same here. I'm really curious. Uh, the title of your, of your book really hooked me. Um, do you want to add anything else about yourself? Um, well, I live in uh, northern Minnesota, and uh, I, which is in the center, the northern center part of the United States, and it's a port town. So we actually get ocean-going ships, even though we're 1,200 miles from the coast. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else? Well, what sort of things do you think people would want to know about me in addition to that lovely introduction you gave? Um, well, I don't know. Is, this is just an opportunity for you to add whatever else you think that would be relevant about yourself and brag a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so, so you, you, I mentioned in that bio that I, I, um, I started as a programmer, um, but I also have a, a master's degree in organizational leadership. Nice. And, and so that, um, that course of study really helped um, refine the way I think about organizations and um, exposed me to a lot of uh, ideas about how organizations work that sometimes are not as visible when you are, you know, in the code or when you're working on computer yes. systems. So it really expanded my view of, of, of um, how people in organizations work. And did you find that useful, uh, your um, mindset, like coming from a programming background and having like a peek on how organizational leadership is and how it works? Uh, what, what I think, the re, well, I, I'm going to step back a second because the reason I went into that degree program was because I had been promoted to be a manager. Because I was good at writing code, they made me a manager, which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> yes. Right. It yes. makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and it requires a completely different set of skills. So sure. I had to set about um, learning a lot about, you know, how 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 to get along with humans and how humans are motivated and what are the limits of, of, of what you can tell people to do and where you have to rely on persuasion and influence and and creating environments. So from that standpoint, um, it was really important in the role I had. And I think those skills are also useful for people who are programming. Yes, they are. 
and that's something that most programmers uh, struggle with. They're really good at the technical parts, but they don't realize they also have to do the same amount of work on mastering the the human side <laughs> to yep. see it. In. Yep. Yeah. And with all your uh, experience, I'm really curious about your stories. So let's get into them. What okay. is the biggest what is the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally? You know, I, I was pondering that question. And I am in some ways much more interested in little leadership success stories. Yeah. Because I, I believe okay. that I believe you can exhibit leadership. You can, you know, you can be a leader no matter where you are in the organization. If you can, um, you know, if you can make it easier for other people to do work, if you can, you know, ask the question or, um, you know, reveal something that, about what's going on that transforms um, the situation for the people you're working with. So um, I, I, I was thinking about those situations. And I remember uh, being in a meeting where the group was supposed to make a decision. Okay. and. And the, but yet the conversation kept swirling and swirling and swirling. And we, you know, we, we'd try to reach the decision and then the conversation would go back and back and around in these various questions. And it was primarily one person who kept, you know, asking all these additional questions and then people would respond to them. So things kept going and going and going. And finally, someone said, can we just take, you know, not our final vote, but can we just test to see whether we agree on this? And okay. it turned out that everybody, you know, they, so we did a little, we did a little scale of like one to five, five being, you know, I fully support and one being I'm really opposed. And it turned out that everybody was in full agreement. Nice. But yet the way, the way this person was asking questions made it, made it feel like he didn't agree. And so the, the conversation kept swirling and swirling and swirling. And so once we realized on that we were we were actually in, in nearly unanimous agreement, we were able to move forward. So I think that was a profound act of leadership. Just the person saying, can we test to see what our level of agreement is? Because it unlocked the group. It enabled us to move forward. Um, it brought the temperature down because people were getting kind of frustrated. <laughs> so, yes. So, and the is that person that uh, went with with his guts and went to see like do like a pre check? Was he like the the anointed manager of the group, nope. or was somebody who stepped nope. up? It was just someone in the group, and I see that happen a lot. And sometimes, sometimes it's just a, a question of saying, um, "I'm not following." I, I'm not following this discussion. Can I'm going to take some notes. Is it okay if I take some notes? And then somebody starts writing. And then it becomes clear that, oh, well, we aren't talking about one topic. We're talking about three topics and we're using terms differently. But that, that small little act of saying, oh, can I just take some notes? I'll just write down, you know, it used to be on a whiteboard, but now it might be on a Google, shared Google Doc, you know. Um, yes. And it, it clarified for everyone what was going on. And I think those, you know, I think those acts of leadership are um, undervalued and very yes, important. Yes, they are. 
yeah. the small acts of leadership, they really add up really quickly. And you have yep. to realize every person can be like four or five minutes can be a leader and guide the group to a better place. And you're absolutely, absolutely right. Le- yeah, and absolutely right. Leaders, you can be a leader no matter where you are in an organization. Yeah, so maybe those are micro leaderships. I don't know. Yes, that micro leadership. I love. I love the, <laughs> I love the catchphrase micro leaderships. And yeah. what could people do to engage in this micro leadership opportunities? Well, I think you need to observe what's going on for the group and um, have some assessment about what might be helpful right now. Right? Like so and sometimes it's just saying observing what's going on for yourself and saying what would be helpful right now. Yes. Um, like the, you know, the person who brought up the gradient of agreement saying, well, you know, I, I, it feels like we don't agree at all. Let's find out. Or the person taking notes saying, I feel really confused. I want to take notes. You know, so, so I think it helps to have a model um, to do this. Uh, and one of the models I use is one that I learned from Jerry Weinberg called the MOIJ model which is a way of helping you. Pardon? So what would be like the crib notes on how to, how to apply it? Oh, okay. So the, 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 that particular model says that every group needs motivation. They need organization. They need information. And once in a while they need jiggling. So that's where the M O I J comes from. And then you observe what's going on in the group and make an, make make a judgment call about well it looks like you know this group's motivation is low that doesn't necessarily they mean someone to sing them a song um it may mean they're demotivated because they're so disorganized right maybe they need some better organization or they're demotivated because they um um you know they're just flooded with information and they don't know where to start so they need some way to pare down to the few essential ideas so that's so powerful and i and i like how you're always thinking like what are the small things that can be done that provide like big results yeah and 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 that's something that people have to embrace more often because you, you have to realize that what you do like the small actions you take do matter and they influence they can have like a big influence on what what happens in the kind of environment you get to work in absolutely and the, the, the other thing to think about is sometimes very big actions create big disturbances and they cause pendulum swings because people then freak out and say, oh, that's too much. And so things go the other direction. So, so sometimes big actions are required. You know, if you're in a crisis, you might need a big action. Um, and I used to, I used to, um, race sailboats and sometimes you needed to take a really decisive and big action if you were about to run into a really bad situation like you know your boat's about to go over um but most of the time it's little adjustments that are much more effective and you also have the reverse sometimes you have big actions having no impact at all and a lot of time and resources (laughs) are spent and nothing happens. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I actually see that a lot 
Um, I see a lot of organizations who spend an enormous amount of money hoping for some change and they, you know, they roll out training and they train everybody and they, you know, they, they, um, publish a new process document or something like that. But if they haven't addressed all of the factors that hold their current pattern in place, they're not going to see much change. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's more calm when you're right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So addressing all of those little things with little actions can, can allow a profound change to happen. And you risk less. It's it's yeah. not like you're putting the whole you invest a lot of effort to do something. It's like let's get it done. We have like half an hour. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Love, it, love, it, love your concept. Love it so much. Uh, and now I'm really curious about what is the biggest leadership uh, failure you had the unfortunate experience of witnessing. <laughs> well. Yeah, that's a tough question. But the one, the yes. one that, um, the one that um, jumped to my mind was um, years ago. I was working with a company that was um, wanted to move from their, you know, traditional development methods to Scrum, which I think probably okay. could have been helpful to them. Um, but people didn't understand why they didn't, you know, it felt arbitrary to them. Like, you know, you, you, you want us to start doing things this way, you, you know, why, why do we have, what's the problem? And of course there were big problems and they were really um, missing some market opportunities. Um, and I, I think it would have been helpful for people to understand just what was at risk for the company. Right. But yes. instead the CEO came down and said, we have to do this by June 2nd because it's my birthday and it will be my birthday present. (laughs) For real? Yes. Yes. And then he said, and the next batch of projects need to be doing this by Christmas and that will be my Christmas present. Oh my God, he doubled down on it. Yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, what can you do? You just kind of sit there with your jaw on the floor. Um, because it just yes. spoke to this incredible entitlement, right? Yes. Like somehow he thought that people would be motivated to go through significant upheaval and learn new skills because it was their CEO's birthday. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, in a in a very yeah, in a very sad sort of way. It yeah. is in a sad way, and we see like lots of uh, as we're talking like circling a little back like big actions that are not really well communicated, and yeah. you don't get buy-in from the people that have to do the work and understand why it's necessary. Yep. Yep. And it just goes all to. Two pieces. The results are not good, and and I bet the boss got a really bad present on his birthday <laughs> and on, on and on Christmas. I think he eventually got demoted, fired, or oh. something. Yeah, because oh. I mean, at that point, you know, any motivation people had had to try to make things work kind of went away. Yeah. So that's uh, at least somebody took some action later on trying to. <laughs> Steer the company in a, in a better direction. Well, we hope so. <laughs> yeah, but 
that type of leadership, I, I don't know where, <laughs> how you come up with something like this. Well, I, I think it comes from people thinking that, you know, I'm the leader, therefore I'm more important than other people. The entitlement. Yep. Yep. Uh, and Esther, based on your over or four decades of experience, what would be now your leadership philosophy after going through all these experiences? Well, I, 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 um, I mentioned Jerry Weinberg when I talked about the MOHI model, which is one of the models I use, not the only one, but one of them. And I, I was uh, very influenced by Jerry and his definition of leadership, which is leadership can be defined as the ability to adjust the environment so that everyone can contribute creatively to solving problems. Nice. And, and that affects how you work on a team level. It affects how you work on a, you know, a project level, a division level, a company level. Um, because it's all about how can we, how can we um, really make the environment so that people can do great work. So I, I, I distill my philosophy of management and leadership to, you know, it is about developing people and creating an environment where people can do great work. And Esther, do you have some examples of small, small tweaks you can do to an environment that ma makes it more easy for people to work and achieve their, their targets and collaborate? Well, it depends on the level you're talking about. Um, yes. uh, one thing that I that I find is is very often true is that um, people at the team level don't necessarily understand how the product they're working on fits into their customers' lives or into their uh, into the market or how the company oh, makes yes. money off of it. So, so they can't make good decisions, right? Um, so I think just having those conversations with people about, you know, this is who our customer is. This is, you know, the, how they use our product, how it helps them. You know, this is where we see ourselves in the market. This is, you know, how we make money with this product. That is a relatively small change that can um, make people much more effective in the way they're working. Yeah, transparency is important. For yeah. example, I had a former colleague and I met um, with her and she's a software developer and I was a software developer at the time. And uh, I asked her, like, what are you doing? Like, we've been working for this company for three years. What do you do? What, what's the project? And she told me, like, I have no idea. I'm working, like, on a small subsection of a screen uh, I have like a snippet of it. Uh, I know everything about it, but I don't know how it integrates, how it works with everything else, what happens, if it's useful or not for mm. the end users. Mm. I just keep plugging away at it each day. And I was like really surprised by that uh, that story. Yeah, well, and you know, it's hard for people to stay motivated when they don't understand the purpose of their work. Yes, right. exactly. Right. A lot of a lot of people in leadership worry about motivation, um, and then they do stuff that demotivates people. Like you know, here work on this little part of the screen for three years without knowing how it fits into the big picture or why it's important. Oh yes, 
It's yeah. so true. And it, it's all, it all comes back to communication, like, mm-hmm. and transparency, being able to tell people, like, this is what we want to achieve. This is our goals. This is how it works. And being open with, with them. Do you also find this to be like a, a key to having like a thriving company? I, I think transparency is important. And I think there are some limits to it. Like I think you can't discuss okay. certain personnel matters. You know, oh, yeah. Those things don't discuss, get discussed. But it, it often seems like there's a di- desire for transparency into how the work is going, but the reciprocal transparency of and how is management doing things and how is the company doing uh, isn't there. So I think, and and it may not be that people are purposely hiding it. It may be that people assume everyone knows. Although I did hear, oh, here's another um, leadership fail that I hadn't, I hadn't thought of for quite a while, which I, I'm (laughs) curious now. See, now you brought this back to my memory. There was um, there was this team that was utterly demoralized, and they didn't know how their work fit together. And their manager actually, they they asked to see the project plan, and their manager okay. told them it was only visible on need to know basis, and they didn't need to know. But they that were doing a, the work. <laughs> how is they, that like talk, secret from the people? That it's like yeah, exactly, the exactly. They got their daily task assignments, and that was all they were permitted to know. Here's your task. So no ro- roadmap for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 I could probably come up with hundreds more stories. Yeah, and it's like you're giving like a, a piece of paper with an airplane each time. And you look at it, oh, something going on there. No, no, no. And then, but if you put them all together and you flip them, you see like the people, the airplane is moving on the pieces of paper. Yeah. It's like that. Yep. Except it's not likely to turn out the way you hoped if people don't understand what the, yes, how their part fits into true. the whole. And and that's important. Sometimes the speed of communication uh, it also guarantees the, uh, the the desired result. If you communicate, but you do it like beyond the scope of it, like when it's too late, it's mm. it's not good. It doesn't help them. Yeah. Well, and I think people people um, uh, assume that if I say something once or twice that it's actually is absorbed and I think it's particularly true now with the sort of fragmented attention that most of us have that we we need to hear things more than once in more than one way and we need to have things repeated um, not because we're stupid and we don't retain things just because no, no. we are, are absorbing so much these days and in many parts of the world, people are under enormous stress, right? We were all under huge stress from the coronavirus. And so people's, people's memories just don't function as well. And people need even more communication yeah. when they're stressed. Even in a good situation, you still yeah. need communicated. Absolutely. Sometimes stuff you, stuff you know. Mm-hmm. It's like other people don't know it, and even if you told them, they don't. They might not have memorized it or didn't give Absolutely. it enough importance because, at the moment, some something else was at the top of their mind. 
Yep. So even if you know stuff, just repeat it often. I find it and repeat it in different ways, right? You don't have to yes, say the exact also. same words. You can and put it in context, and yeah, yeah. And a thing that I find like useful is, and I, I struggled a lot with this because I, I told you this. I already had that this conversation. Now I try to treat it like it's the first time I'm telling that person this piece of information. Even if I told that person like two or three times already. Yeah. Again, I go in the full details of it. Yeah. And there are limits to that. I mean, if it's the 20th time, maybe you say, oh, yeah. you know, now, now it's your turn to take responsibility for remembering this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Esther, I'm really curious about, uh, for aspiring leaders, what would be the top three leadership tips you would have for them? Um. Well, I, I think to remember that leadership is about developing people and working on the environment. I think that's the top one. Um, I think to learn to listen deeply to people. Sometimes people feel like, you know, if I'm the leader, I have to be the one doing the most talking. I think, I think learning to listen deeply is very, very important. Yes. Um, More important and, than talking. Absolutely. And um, then I think people have to do their own work. You know, they have to understand, they have to develop self-awareness, you know, about their patterns, about what they tend to get irritated by, what they may do that irritates other people, what, you know, what, what their patterns of thought are, what their habits of action are, become aware of their judgments. I think that doing that work is really important. Yes, it is important. Having a, a sort of introspection, mm -hmm. always looking at, at yourself and how can you improve yourself and what actions you're doing that gets the, the responses that you don't want. That little change like has like big results for you. If you realize like if I do this, it really robs people the wrong way where it doesn't get me the result. It makes them not want to do the work. Let me look for something else to do instead of this and try yeah. different variations. Yeah, maybe ask people how do they want to be treated? Yeah. Simple <laughs> and with big results. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's I I I love it so much because it's like a, a sort of recurring discussion about the job of a leader is to develop people, and now as you said, like create an environment where they can do their work, and it's something tough because you you come from doing the the job and you come and you move up to be an enabler of people to do their jobs and taking bottlenecks out and helping yep. them have like a smoother, a smoother experience. And it's a mind shift. Absolutely. And I really, and I'm really curious because you went from being a programmer to being a manager and you invested in yourself to be better as a leader. Uh, what uh, shift in your mindset occurred? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a circuitous answer here. Because okay. I think like, like many programmers um, and many people in our field, 
I had gotten a lot of affirmation throughout my life for being smart. Yes. You know, smartest kid in this in the class, you know, really did well in school, smart, smart, smart. So so I had a lot of affirmation for that. And what I realized was while while being smart is a useful thing for problem solving, being able to connect with people is far more important. Oh, deep. Because if you know, if you only you know, if you rely on your own smarts, you can only solve a certain subset of situation of problems. Because many many problems require the work of many minds, and particularly in a leadership situation, it's your ability to connect with and to relate to other people that's going to allow you to be effective. Yeah, and also you don't get to overwork your brain. And you get to use it when you actually need it and you have to solve a problem yourself that nobody else can tackle. Yeah. And it's really important to realize this because there are a lot, like in programming, there are a lot of um, solo programmers, the lone wolves that they like mm -hmm. to build big stuff and take on projects on themselves. I know this because I, I used to be one for a short <laughs> stint mm -hmm. when I realized now. Yeah. My daughter is missing me. My wife is missing me. Uh, I don't have a any lot, social oh, life. A lot of us have been there. <laughs> yes. And the more I, I learn how to talk with people and rely on them and trust them and work together and collaborate, the better it got. So yep. I highly recommend it. <laughs> and Esther, um, probably you've read a lot. so. What is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Um, well, when I was when when you sent me the questions a little ahead of time, which I appreciate, and I just decided uh, that I would let my mind go blank, and then the first book that came up would be the book I would mention. And Whoa. it's a, it's a book that I read in the mid nineteen nineties. And it's not related to software, and it's uh, not related to, uh, it's indirectly related to leadership. Um, and, and Even better. It's a, it's a very difficult book to read because it's, yeah, it's just kind of a slog. But um, the book is called Power and Empowerment by Bachrock and Botwinick. And it's, it looks at political theory and um, theory of democracy and the intersection with our workplaces. Okay, interesting, really interesting uh, subject for the book. And what did you get from it? Like, what was the main nugget of knowledge you got from it? Um, it, it made me think very differently about power. It made me think about the limits of uh, um, what is called empowerment in organizations. And it it changed the way I thought about uh, the skills that are needed in the workplace and um, the skills that are needed as citizens. And how are you thinking like different about power and the skills you need? Well, I think one of the, um, one of the uh, sources of power is who, who controls what, what the conversation is. 
So I yes. just started becoming very aware of who who was who was setting the who was setting what what was open for conversation. The context. And, yeah, the context. And 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 there are of course in corporations there are limits, right? You know, but yes. there are constraints, which is appropriate. But I think that's um yeah. That's a, it changed my thinking about power a lot. Yeah, and this reminds me there's like this funny cartoon that's floating from, from time to time on the internet. And it's a slaughterhouse with a cow that has an options uh, A door A and take door B, but it leads to the same place. Mm. So setting the context yeah. is really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Esther, well, if people want to, yeah. I was just going to say, that's sort of a disturbing image. It is. It is. Yeah. But it always comes back because it's, of it's the... it's powerful. Yes, because it's powerful. And sometimes I feel that way, like when, when I'm giving choices and I realize, I see like it's been set up in such a way that it's no real choice for me. It's either mm -hmm. A or B, but it leads to the same place or a similar place there's no not much difference between the two mm -hmm. oh yeah and esther if people want to find out more about you where should they go they could visit my website which is yeah. estherderby.com yeah. or they can follow me on twitter at esther derby also in the show notes great Anything else that you want to say? And your book is—is is it on Amazon? Yep, the book is on Amazon, and I am working on an online course that um, builds on the book. It's not—it's um, not just everything that's in the book. It's a lot of exercises uh, nice. that build on what is in the book, and it's to help people become more comfortable and more adept at. Uh, making changes and I'm working yes. on it now. And I hope that I hope the self-directed version will be out yet this in June and it will be followed by a cohort version. I highly recommend people to go to Amazon and get the seven rules for positive productive change. As you've Thank seen, you. like during our conversation that small things do have like a big impact. And I'm sure that Esther in that book is going to tell you how to maximize the wrong, the, right small things to do to get really big changes and big results. Well, Esther, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, it was really nice to get to know you a little bit. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.